You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Today's guest is going to be a dynamic one, especially during the times that we're experiencing now. I have the pleasure to work with Kate O'Brien on a daily basis. She is the University of Louisville's licensed clinical social worker, and she is a hard worker. She is someone that we depend on. She is someone that likes to operate behind the scenes, but we thought it'd be a good idea to maybe bring her from back behind the scenes and get her on the podcast. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Kate O'Brien. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Kate O'Brien. Um, I'm the, the director of mental health services for the University of Louisville Athletic Department. Um, and I actually have been a, a cardinal for life for a long time. I'm born and raised in Louisville. Um, I got my undergraduate, my master's degree in social work at, at UofL. And then going back even further in time, I got my undergraduate and I was actually on the uh, University of Louisville rowing team. I was on their their inaugural team, the first kind of group to go through. Um, that was a priceless experience for me that has entered and circled back around in my life um, several times and now professionally kind of for full circle coming back and being a part of um, the athletic department has been an absolute joy for me. Um, I went to high school here. I played sports um, all growing up. Um, prior to coming to U of L, I was a, a social worker at um, Arla D. Peace Hospital. It's a, it's a local hospital in town, fourth largest psychiatric hospital in the nation, about 240 beds. Uh, I was there for a little over 12 years. Um, I started on the pediatrics unit um, doing their programming, which means that I um, kind of set their day up, their, their group therapy is kind of the focus of the day. Transitioned from there into a, um, while I was there, I got my master's degree. Um, they were very flexible with me. Again, kind of looking back professionally, that's kind of where it all started for me was on that that psych work, kind of seeing the worst of the worst of human behavior and then blessing in a sky, a blessing in disguise being there for 12 years because I was kind of able to see um, a handful of kids, unfortunately, go through the system, which kind of strengthened my love for social work um, kind of. Um, populations that don't get a whole lot of love and kind of tracking their human development. Um, Heartbreaking, but very interesting to kind of see how all that has played out in some of their lives. Um, So I've worked the gamut of of age groups. Um, I primarily work with college kids at UofL, but I also run a small um, private practice in Linden called Linden Psychiatrics with uh, Dr. Tim Peters. Um, I carry about eight or nine uh, clients through them, mainly high school students with an athletic kind of background, playing some sort of sport, but also intertwined with some mental health issues that I can kind of address. Um, so I am a, a licensed clinical social worker. 
um, which means that I can pro- I, I can practice privately without a doctor's kind of supervision. Um, I do not do medication, but I can diagnose. Um, I'm not a sports psychologist. A lot of people at UofL and a lot of people in the community kind of get me confused with my counterpart, Dr. Shannon, who is our sports psychology sports psychologist. Um, so those are two very different things, but we intersect quite a bit with our population at UofL. So, Kate, can you tell me what the major differences are between a licensed clinical social worker, so the director of mental health, mm-hmm. a sports psychologist or a director of mental performance, those go hand in hand, and a psychiatrist? Mm-hmm. What, what, are, what are the major differences between those three professions? So I'm glad you brought that up because at UofL, I think the community would be really surprised, but really pleased to know that we actually do have a a full-time psychiatrist that works with the UofL um, athletes, um, Dr. Chris Peters. He's based out of um, UofL Hospital downtown. It's the old um, Norton Cozair, I believe. Um, so he, he's full-time with us. So it's me. Um, Dr. Peters does all of our psychiatry work, which means he does all of our medication management, um, oversees that he works closely with our, our in-house docs to kind of make that seamless. Um, so he just does the, the psychiatry work, but he's also a great gift to us because he also, um, really takes a lot of time with these kids. Most, um, psychiatrists in this day and age, because they're in such, um, high need, it's kind of a, a quick process. Um, I have a lot of athletes come back and they're like, geez, you know, he spent, you know, 30 or 40 minutes with me. That's unheard of for a psychiatrist. Dr. Shannon is our sport psychologist. So the difference between the two of us, the way that we explain it to the kids is uh, the UofL athletes is she addresses on court issues. I address off court issues. So if you have an athlete that, that is presenting with high anxiety um, and one of us gets a hold of them. We're trying to figure out is the root of the anxiety being caused by their sport um, or is it caused by outside anxieties, relationship issues, financial issues, um, breakups, stuff like that. So that's the first key. We've got to figure out who do they need to be seeing. Um, and that's kind of the difference. So she, I take care of more of the heavier mental health issues um, suicidal ideations, depression, anxiety, uh, bereavement, kind of those heavy things that um, take its toll in life, but then end up taking a toll on the court or in the in the swimming pool. And then she kind of picks up and can kind of frame up um, some of those emotions and help them digest that as well. But she primarily takes care of performance-based um, issues. And when we're talking about the difference between uh, mental health professionals, it's amazing that at UofL, you guys have three people, um, you know, in your distinct roles. And um, a lot of people are hoping for just, you know, to get one person in that position. Um, But I love that it's so you're able to describe the differences in such simple terms of, you know, kind of on court versus off court. Um, But if let's say you are a, you know, you have your sport coach or a teammate or an administrator or something like that, who just kind of notices something is off with, you know, their friend or their athlete or what have you, how do they know which one of the three of you to say something to like who, what's kind of the order or how does that Mm -hmm. work itself out? 
Um, so the athletic trainers, um, so this is my sixth year, year at UofL. This is Vanessa's fifth year. The, the athletic trainers have gotten really good at, at knowing which direction to go to. Um, but when all else fails, they get them to one of us, whoever can get them in quicker, whoever may have had a previous relationship with them. And then we kind of figure out what route they need to go. But generally speaking, performance-based, athletic issue, they go to Dr. Shannon, um, outside issue, or if everybody involved is going, something's going on, but we don't know exactly what it is. Then they'll come see me and I'll kind of pick them apart from every avenue and try to figure it out. And then I um, outsource my eating disorder um, student athletes. Uh, They go with the Sherry Levinston group, the eating disorder clinic. They've been great. I also outsource my chemical dependency cases. So I have a um, a, a CD counselor come on campus to meet with um, student athletes that are struggling with with drugs and alcohol, any kind of addiction. Um, Prior, we were sending them off campus to get that kind of treatment. And and I felt like that was a barrier to treatment, um, putting them in a social setting in a city that, you know, is very, very focused on UofL athletics. So we made that move very soon when I came on board to bring that person on campus. Um, Logistically, it makes it easier for them. Continuity of care, it makes it easier. But privacy, that's what I'm after. It makes it a lot easier on them. Mm -hmm. And with the various professionals, the privacy, like you mentioned, that spurred kind of a follow-up question of who gets... um, final say, you know, who's um, under the umbrella of athletics, you know, who's ultimately responsible for the care of the athlete in kind of this mental health setting, the structure that you guys have set up. Um, Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because a lot, a lot of people in athletics, especially it can get a little dicey of like, who's actually in charge. Mm -hmm. Um, So just, can you speak on that a little bit, how you guys are are navigating the, the little, you know, the red tape and the privacy issues and stuff like that? Sure. One thing that the University of Louisville set up for me and Dr. Shannon from the get-go was um, an automatic kind of autonomy because we are employed by Norton Healthcare. They pay our paycheck. Um, So that kind of, that gives us a little bit of room because then that also allows me and Dr. Shannon to not be mandated reporters. So what that means is uh, I believe we're the only two on in the athletic department, what that means is that if an athlete comes to my office and says, I need to talk to you and this cannot go anywhere else, I have that option to keep that in my office. Um, if they're a danger to themselves or others, I always have to make a phone call and kind of go that extra step. But that allows the athletes to have some sort of an outlet, somebody that they can go to that, um, they're not fearful of getting in trouble or stuff being escalated when it doesn't need to. Um, so they give us that, um, as far as final call, I've never really been put in that position. I'll be real honest with you. That was probably one of my biggest fears coming into this position in college athletics, high performance, high stress. Um, I thought the pushback was going to be pretty strong when it came to mental health, um, recommendations, mental health guidelines. And, and I never have really gotten any pushback. Now, when it comes to return to play, um, when it, it comes to an athlete not being a good fit for um, a, a certain program, there's discussion both way of, of what's best for the athlete, what's best, best for the program. 
But in general, it, it never, nobody ever gets pinned with the last call because we work as a team. We're an integrated team um, between myself, Dr. Shannon, and Dr. Peters. We're the clinical team, but we also work very, very, uh, not even very close. Like we are intertwined with sports medicine. Um, we work very close with those doctors. Uh, we, we meet on a regular basis so we can do things seamlessly with continuity of care and with the athlete's best interest at heart. So it never comes down to a, a battle. If we all have the same focus, um, we have a conversation about it and move forward. Does that answer your question? Yes, that was a very good explanation. And I'm sure surprising for a lot of our listeners that it's you guys are able to make it work so well together. Yeah, I mean, it's we really, really work on that. Uh, the handoff, making sure athletes are getting to the right person at the right time, um, follow up. Um, I, I think we do it really well here. Uh, other other institutions in the ACC, they've originally just had one person doing both of our jobs. Um, and then we split it up and quickly other schools, uh, not due to us, but kind of start, started to follow of no, you have to have one person for performance and one person for just general life mental health. Because I think that's, in my personal opinion, I think that's where we've been missing the boat for many years. Sports psychologists have been intergrained in athletics for years. But just in the past four or five years, we kind of moved to um, identifying and treating mental health in two different ways. Like I said, one um, approach one treatment plan for performance-based on court, on the field, and then one specific to kind of their general life that go together. So you, you treat them as one, but you have different professionals in their lane treating their specific um, specialty to try to be successful as, as possible with that athlete. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. So Kate, and I, I know you are part of a what I think is a best case scenario. Um, we're hoping that colleges, universities, professionals, and, and high schools, they have at least one person in their department that the athletes can access. What is your suggestion for those situations, people in those situations that may only have one and or maybe none at all? Mm-hmm. Well, it, as far as having none at all, in my opinion, that comes down to administration, right? The schools that have these people in place that have had these people in place for a while, their athletic department has an agenda and they saw a need and they fill it. Um, So I I think that we're kind of ahead of the curve on that for sure. 
I don't think we can move backwards at this point where society is, where mental health is going in this world right now. There should not be an athletic department that doesn't have a designated mental health professional to be able to do screening, um, you know, for those really bad scenarios where you need somebody to come in really quick, dissect the situation. What's the next plan? I think you have to have that in this day and age, especially with the athletic population, because they, they run a, such a high risk of depression, and anxiety, which follows suit with high levels of uh, suicidal ideations. Right. Our football players lead in that category. There are most kind of critical um, team that kind of slips through the cracks um, is football. Uh, so having very pinpointed um, people to, to identify why is that, what can we put in place to prevent that, to make school that are, make sure that our school is not one of those statistics. And having been in a, a situation where the mental health um, stigma, because I mean, there there is still very much a stigma around mental health and mental health issues. We've, we've certainly come a long way, but there are a lot of professionals who still have this stigma around mental health of, you know, it, it's not something necessarily to be talked about, you know, out in public. It's not something that, you know, people should be able to just kind of keep their mental health issues to themselves and deal with it. Um, have you been in situations like that either with coaches or athletes who have been resistant to seeking the help that you guys provide? Because you're, you're well ahead of the curve. I'm sure a bunch of our listeners would be really impressed and, and envious of the situation, the setup that you guys have at UofL. Um, but I'm sure that you're still, that there are still circumstances where it has been stigmatized in, let's just, for example, use an athlete, that it's been stigmatized in their life so much that they are very reluctant to then finally open up and talk about it. So mm -hmm. have, how have you been combating that or helping overcome that with the people at UofL? Mental health stigma, welcome to my world. <laughs> it, yep. so in general in society there's a stigma right mm -hmm. but in the athletic population it's even stronger and if you really think about why it's pretty simple uh, athletes are born and bred from the time they're three to, to shake it off get up you're good so mm -hmm. I'm dealing with a population that is is told day in and day out stand up straight put a smile on and get through it so very challenging, very challenging to take that armor off of them when they get into my office. Here's what I'll tell you has been my, my greatest uh, referral source is teammates. My first year here, all my referrals came through coaches and athletic trainers, um, nutritionists. Um, and then by the second and third year, student athlete comes in. Hey, how'd you get here? How'd you get into my office? How'd you get my information? I was talking to one of my teammates in the locker room and they said, Hey, you, you should go just talk to her for a little bit. It might help. That's how I'm trying to beat the stigma. I, I'm not a person that's going to take it as the approach of I'm going to, you know, shove it down their throat and act like it's not there and just move on about my business. Cause I don't think that's going to benefit me. I try to empower them to be vulnerable, to be open and honest about kind of where they're at in an effort to help their teammates. Um, and I think that that's really resonated with them, especially some of the, the upperclassmen um, that I've worked really close with, them being able to be vocal of, 
hey, I'm a senior now and I've got it together. But when I was a sophomore, I was falling apart. And this is what I did to help myself. This is just another service that is offered to you to help you be successful. You switch out mental health services with academic services, dietitian services. I think the administration at UofL, I think the coaches, I think the athletic trainers have, have done a really, really good job of just sliding me in there as another service. So that they speak about it just very matter-of-factly. Um, so if you have a knee issue, you go to the knee doctor. If you're having trouble with anxiety in your life, you go see Kate. If you're having trouble um, gaining your composure for free throws, you go see Dr. Shannon. So combating the stigma is, I, I don't know if it's going to go away anytime soon, but I've explained to the coaches that I, it's, it has to start with them. They, they have to be able to say um, that they're comfortable with it, and this is why it's beneficial to get help. And, and, and then they jump right on board, and you'll see the correlation with our population. The coaches that we have a really good relationship with um, that believe in our services, we see a high volume of their teams. Um, so that, again, is another way um, it, to combat this. The, the stigma is to help build a relationship with the coaches. They trust us. They know that we would never do anything to put, you know, their athletes in harm way or their program. And over time, that has really stamped out a lot of that stigma. Yeah, I think that speaks volumes to be able to turn essentially like you were saying about, you know, a population that is, I'm going to say for the most part, a lot of type A and get her done, you know, don't show weakness, Um, having mental health be traditionally seen as a weakness, having teammates and word of mouth be kind of that referral system for you. Um, But so that kind of speaks to when you were talking to, you know, having it be just another service. Um, It reminds me of Pat's book that just came out recently about, you know, the table and what are you leaving on the table as a student athlete. Um, So it's just, it's really cool to, the example that you gave of having a senior talking to, you know, lower classmen and, you know, younger teammates and saying, I was a mess, but I used the resources available and, you know, kind of got my shit together. (laughs) I mean, I really saw the big shift in that stigma change and get more focused on um, when Kevin Love came out and kind of spoke of his uh, depression issues, same way with Michael Phelps, right? Same, same kind of principle. They're the seniors. They're the ones kind of speaking to the, to the younger population, like, Hey, it's okay if you're not okay, but you know, get some help. So we traditionally um, in athletics, very much focused on uh, speed, uh, strength, but we've really missed the boat in training their mind and helping them focus and stuff like that. And you're seeing, you know, LeBron James just what in the last couple months um, signed on with a Calm app. I guarantee you the second that commercial came out with him, their stock went through the roof, right? You see LeBron James using it. Well, I'm going to use it. That's yeah, helping us sure. as well. Having those big athletes come out and say like, yeah, I struggle with mental health. It makes it normal. It makes it okay because if they're struggling with it, I can definitely struggle with it. So that's been very helpful as well. Yeah. Kate, um, I went to a session a while ago, a few years back, and the focus was on trauma and how trauma can impact or impede performance. And whether it was something that happened in someone's childhood or in their past, can you talk to our listeners about what that is, what, what, 
what what um how trauma um whether you've dealt with it or not dealt with it impacts performance because a lot of times I've been in situations where coaches see, well, this person's just not in it. This person mm-hmm. just doesn't want it. This person doesn't have the fire anymore. This person. And a few years later, you find out after that person's no longer there and you hear about something that happened to them in their past and, and no one was aware of it in the program. And if, in my opinion, if, if it had been addressed, then maybe there would have been some different outcomes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Trauma in anybody, if untreated, it's going to take its toll. And a lot of times we'll see, uh, you know, youngsters that are uh, traumatized, have traumatic experiences um, right around college, right around 18, 19 years old is where we'll kind of see it start to spiral. Um, they're kind of coming into their own, becoming an adult, and then it will kind of resurface. The way that I kind of explain it to people is, that trauma untreated just continues to kind of suck energy. It, it, it just kind of depletes you. So if you're already depleted with your sport, um, if things are already you know, tough academically and you're, you're still struggling with this trauma that's in the back of your mind, you get it out, you hash, it, hash through it, take that off your plate, you kind of free up some of your energy. That sounds like a simple solution, but... I had a mentor a couple years ago explain trauma to me, and she said trauma is is elusive as dust bunnies in your house. You might not see them, but when I come in your house, I'm going to see them. So that, that's another kind of barrier of treatment with the athletic population is they view traumas a little bit differently than maybe the general public because their threshold of, of pain and discomfort is pretty high. So they'll kind of dismiss it. Well, that's not, that's not really playing an issue in my performance. Um, and then you kind of start diving into it and getting them a little bit of relief from that trauma. Then you'll see that their energy spike, they perform better, they're lighter, they're happier. So again, and that's outside of athletics. That's just in life in general, untreated traumas, secrets keep people sick untreated traumas resurface and they're a lot harder to tame later in life. So uh, that's key. Our athletic trainers, our coaches, a lot of times will, um, you know, give us a call and say, Hey, I just talked to this kid. This seems really heavy. This seems very traumatic. Can you take a look at it? Um, Sometimes it can be cleared up quickly. Other times it can be weeks, months of treatment to unravel that trauma to free them up a little bit so they can be a little bit more productive in school and athletics. And along those same lines, um, we're in a little bit different situation right now at the time we're recording this, you know, we're in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic and everything that's, you know, going on and surrounding with that. So it's not specifically one instance of trauma, but I'm sure that you have athletes, um, you know, as we all have friends and family that are, panicking and huge amounts of anxiety and worry and depression and things like that. So it's not, like I said, necessarily one traumatic event that's going on right now, but it's kind of a maybe a couple months long traumatic event for some. Um, How are you counseling or coaching athletes through that during this time? Um, 
Well, there, there's a lot of us working on, on the U of L's end from academics to performance, nutrition, myself, um, having different conversations with, with the athletes about different scenarios in their life. Um, but in general, right now, I think across the board, um, we're just now kind of seeing the panic kind of set in. So the first, you know, it's any kind of trauma response. The first couple of weeks, people are in shock. They're just kind of sitting there. Um, and now we're starting to see anxiety levels really increase. I think the more people are kept inside, it, it was going to increase, uh, of course, the death toll, that fear. Um, but we're, we're still very hands-on with our athletes. Luckily, you know, technology and FaceTime, uh, we can do a lot of our counseling over the phone. And um, our services are still 100% open. Um, our athletes that we would we'll be talking to this week if we were in our offices or be no different. We'll, we'll do uh, phone conversations with them. Some of the skills that we put out as soon as this happened for our athletes were some very simple ones. Um, number one, as soon as we got information, we would, would give it to them. So nobody was left in the dark. Um, keeping a routine, I think is very important for them. Um, focusing on what they can control. So right now they can control academics, they can study, catch up on stuff. Um, anybody can go outside and take a walk, go for a run, do push-ups, jumping jacks. Um, still want to keep them energized and active um, with, with no facilities. And then just staying connected to their teammates, safety in numbers. Um, a lot of them are doing the Zoom uh, chats with their teammates and coaches and whatnot. But the good thing about the University of Louisville, the athletic population is that I find them extremely resilient. Um, the majority of, of the kids that I have talked to understand that this is bigger than, than them. So they're upset about uh, the season, the school year being cut off short, but they understand why things are happening and they're looking to the next step. Okay, this is going to end. And when it ends in June, I'm going to be ready for camp. Incredibly resilient kids. And I, I think that's to the coaches and the programs that have just built these kids to be able to take on adversity and uh, evolve and, and maneuver to, to stabilize during these kind of situations. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Okay. I knew it was going to be hard to keep this podcast in our traditional 30 minute time limit. <laughs> so if, if it's okay, we'd like to have you on again. Um, but I have one last question. Mm -hmm. How should someone know if they need help? That's a good question. I, th I think so from a, a personal standpoint, the way that I try to explain it to people, if life is, it, if the anxiety and depression, if a psychiatric issue is impeding your life, meaning that you can't sleep or you're oversleeping, under eating, overeating, um, uh, isolating, if you're not getting out, loss of hope, that's impeding your life, then you know you need to get help. Um, you, you need to call. Uh, there's several different places you can call uh, your insurance company. You should be able to call them. They give you a list of referrals of where you can get psychiatric help. Um, one thing that I, I do want to say is getting help in, in the community can be a little tricky. It, because credentialing looks the same to a lot of people and there's a lot of um, counselors and kind of self-help people out there 
there's not too many sports psychologists in Louisville, though. So I have a lot of parents ask me, like, uh, give me names. Hey, what about this person? You've just got to be really careful of credentialing and making sure that um, they have the proper credentialing and you're, you know, you're paying for what you get. Um, any kind of, you know, school counselors, um, a lot of places now have like an in-house um, psychiatric kind of service. So when in doubt, always have somebody evaluated. Um, it, you know, it would never hurt to have somebody evaluated. Yeah. Well, thank you so thank much. You so thank much. you for being on the show. How can our listeners find you? Um, uh, you can media? contact me at uh, Kate O at gocards.com. Um, we also have the University of Louisville Athletic um, Cardinal My- at Cardinal Mindset. That's mine and Dr. Shannon's uh, Instagram accounts. You can get a hold of both of us through there. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I promise if we can make it work, we will have you back on if it works with our schedules. I know you're busy and we're trying to get everything uh, and, and help so many people. Um, but I just appreciate your time and thanks for all the knowledge and the, the gems that you dropped here. Thank you for having me, Pat. I appreciate it. Take care. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.